Welcome to Straight Talk for Real Life, episode number one, brought to you by Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Today, we're talking about what the World Health Organization says is one of the most common psychological complaints in the world, anxiety. It's also the subject of a documentary called Angst, produced by Seattle-based IndieFlex. Listen in. The insights might surprise you. Welcome to Straight Talk for Real Life. I'm Bob Peacock. If you are living and breathing and listening to this podcast, chances are pretty good that you've experienced some form of anxiety in your life, whether or not you recognized it at the time. Well, today we are going to be talking with two women who are passionate about education and awareness on this very topic. Today, our guests on the phone are Sheila Andreen and Dr. Tam Wynn. Sheila is executive producer of the film Angst, which is a terrific documentary that takes a close look at how young adults feel when they are dealing with anxiety, what causes it, its effects, and what we can do about it. Also, Dr. Tam Wynn is a clinical psychologist and behavioral health director of Palo Alto Medical Foundation Sutter Health. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us. Sheila, I want to start with you. We see and hear a lot about anxiety these days, perhaps because we're living in a world that can feel increasingly competitive, ultra busy, and sometimes a bit overwhelming. Anxiety is a byproduct of all that. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I learned making the film is that I think everyone feels that social media, our use of technology, this plugged in, on-demand, breaking news world that we live in is affecting our sleep, it's affecting how much we get up physically and move, how much time we spend outside in the daylight, how little we are connecting with each other and just with ourselves. So is that what inspired you to make this documentary? No. Um, What inspired me to make this movie, what I actually didn't want to make this movie. I had no desire to make this movie. (laughs) you know, we have a blended family. We have six kids. I'm, I'm a mom and a filmmaker. And a friend of mine had asked me to make a movie about mental health because I, ta- I make movies that I take out into schools and corporations for people to come together as a community and watch and have discussions. And she kept saying, you've got to make a movie about mental health. And I just thought, I didn't know anything about it. I felt it was heavy, a little bit depressing. And I didn't think anyone would actually want to see a movie about mental health. And um, a year later, and and I worked with her, so I saw her often, and I got a call one morning that she had died by suicide. Mm. And I realized that, you know, I really didn't know what was going on, and I knew her well, and I thought I should have known that. And so I decided that I I became more aware, and I started hearing about, you know, kids in our city in Seattle that had died by suicide. I was hearing about all of these people who were really hurting, and I've been kind of afraid to have that conversation. So I decided right then and there to make a movie about mental health. It had to be filled with resources and tools and hope. And it needed to, you know, educate us and and create some sort of a path forward. And that's what angst is. And now we've been screening in almost 50 countries and coming up on 2,000 screenings. So I guess people do want to have this conversation. Well... Well, that was one thing that really struck me was how positive the movie was. It deals, like you say, with a really serious subject, but you handled the subject in such a friendly uh, and hopeful way. Well, well, I will just say that it's not 
scary to talk about. We think it is. We have anxiety about talking about it. But once you start opening up and having those conversations, it feels really good. Yeah. Well, the, the National Institute of Mental Health says that anxiety disorders affect more than 18% of adults in the U.S. But we know that that number is much higher in all reality because there's a huge number of people who don't seek help or don't even know maybe that they, they're having issues. When, when we're sick and we're not feeling good, we go to see a doctor. Why don't we do that when we're having anxiety or other mental health issues? Well, I think there's a great deal of shame attached to it. I think that we feel like we're weak. There's just the stigma, right? And it's, there's the shame associated with this or weakness. And I just, I'm puzzled by it, but I get it. And I, I mean, there are certain instances where, say, a kid gets a scholarship to college, his dream school, he's captain of the football team, and he's struggling with his mental health. He's terrified to speak up. Right. His whole future is on the line. And the thing is, we need to change that. Just as if you had a toothache, you go to the dentist and you get it addressed. And if you have a broken leg, you go to the doctor and you get it addressed. There will be a day when we say, oh, I've got to go and take care of my mental health. And people are not even going to think twice about it. Just as if you were to say, I'm going to go take care of my physical health. Right? Absolutely. Like, and, and people are like, good for you. Right. right. But we're not there yet. We need to get there by normalizing the conversation. No, that's great. Uh, sometimes the, the term anxiety is used just so loosely and lightheartedly to explain something like stress. But let's talk about what anxiety really looks like. Dr. Wen, what are the, the differences between everyday stress and anxiety and the type of anxiety that can really negatively affect your life? Yeah, you know, stress is really normal um, and needed for everyday living. Stress or anxiety, um, also known as fear, is what motivates us to do something, to go into action. You know, for example, the closer we get to a deadline for a task, our stress level usually also goes up. And this increase in stress level is what motivates us to complete the task on time. This way, we won't experience the negative consequences. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you know, stress mobilizes or calls us to action. It gets us to do something. When stress is too much or the anxiety is too much, it can actually cause us to stop moving or immobilize us. Um, and when it's too much, when the, our level of, of stress sort of exceeds our ability to cope or respond effectively. Right. And then, you know, the way that I kind of think about stress or that can be helpful is um, we often think of emotions and as uh, with emotions, there are what we call primary emotions, like we have primary colors. Mm -hmm. And fear is uh, considered a primary emotion. And what we think is that with uh, primary emotions, there's also hardwired behavioral responses um, that go with it, a sort of particular behavior that has evolved over time so that we can survive. So for fear, or, you know, um, our primary response generally is to either fight, to, to run, or to freeze. Right. Um, so usually in fear situations, we'll run or we'll just sort of freeze. And only when absolutely needed do we fight, you know, and, and if you think back in the times of like when we were cavemen and we were faced in front of a bear, uh, we weren't likely going to survive if we were in a fight. And right. so we'll freeze or, or we'll sort of hide. Got it. That's good. Um, and so, yeah, and so when our usual coping strategies or mechanisms are no longer effective in helping us manage our stress, and if we're not given any additional tools, um, over time it can really become an anxiety disorder and really impair our functioning. That's when we really know it's no longer just normal, everyday stress. 
Got it. Um, and generally, um, the treatment approach is through sort of great exposure to, to whatever the fear stimulus is for us. And well, the, the film does a really good job, I think, of describing what anxiety looks like. You know, these, these kids are so articulate, uh, uh, young adults, that have really dealt with anxiety. How much of it applies to us as adults, Dr. Wen? Um, I think, you know, so much of it, if not all of it, applies to us as adults. Uh, kids ex perhaps express, you know, their anxiety in different ways, and age is one of the factors that we consider in terms of um, when we're looking at um, signs of if someone is experiencing high levels of stress, and, and we want, want to step in sooner to help to provide some additional resources. And adults, similarly, um, you know, can also benefit from, this, from strategies that teens benefit from, including just really talking about it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, exposure is really the gold standard treatment um, for, for anxiety. And that's because the hallmark symptom of anxiety is avoidance. And so the only way that we can really overcome that is to show up to whatever it is that is scary to us um, at levels that are, that are manageable. We don't want to overstimulate ourselves to the fear stimulus, um, but to, at a level that is, is manageable. And that's going to look really different for everyone. Um, but underlying that is that same sort of principle. Right. Okay, I want to talk more about helping others who have anxiety. But before I do that, uh, wanted to ask you, uh, Sheila, one of the great moments in the film was when five-time Olympic champion Michael Phelps surprises this young man who idolizes the swimmer and who, it turns out, shares the same struggles with anxiety that Phelps had. Can you talk about that? Sure. You know, it's really interesting. You know, we've learned that anxiety doesn't discriminate. And the beautiful thing about Michael coming forward to share his story is so many people are like, what? Really? I mean, look at look at your career. Look at how well you perform. And some people say, oh, well, it's because of his anxiety that he's actually an Olympic, you know, winner. But, um, you know, this is something he has struggled with his whole life. And, you know, he has just figured out the tools. And one of the things I love that Michael says in the movie is that we got the tools to deal with this stuff, but we need to learn how to access them. And then we need to keep sharpening them and, and get in the habit of using them. With, with um, the young boy in the film, he was such a fan. He knew every statistic and data point. And he too, as a, that he's nine or 10 years old at the time that we filmed him, you know, Michael was his idol. And one of the things that he told his mom, what right before we were filming, or a couple months before filming, he shared with her how not only did he connect with him from the swimming standpoint, but he also really connected with Michael because he too, at one time or another, or lately, did not feel like being on the planet. And that, of course, mm. like his mom just was like, oh my gosh, you know, and she had heard about us making this movie and we all connected and uh, it was just such a treat to be able to bring the two of them together and to have this conversation sort of you know, a 10-year-old boy and then a full-grown, you know, Olympic athlete having this conversation and sharing this, this, you know, this anxiety, this mental health challenge and working through it and inspiring each other. It was terrific. One thing that was really interesting to me as a parent myself was when the film talked about how when we get that phone call from our child at school and she says she's having a panic attack, our tendency is to say, okay, I'll come over right now and I'll pick you up. 
But the film says that by doing that, we may not be helping them because we're teaching them that running away from their stress is a coping mechanism, right? And I will tell you in the Q&A with, you know, we screen for hundreds of families every day. And that always comes up and the parents are like, well, then what do we do? You know, my kid is clearly, they're having a hard time breathing and I'm not, I can't go and pick them up. You know, I mean, it's, it's our first reaction. It's the first thing we want to do, but it's Dr. Bubrick, actually, uh, um, he's in the film as well, the senior psychologist at the Child Mind Institute, and he talks in the Q&As about, think of it like a mosquito bite, like it's really itching, and when you scratch it, it relieves you for a minute, but it comes back worse. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if you feed the seagulls, right, then more comes. So the more you do that, the it's truly, you are making it worse, when what you, we should be doing is coming up with a plan to get through stuff and not just going in and rescuing and pulling them out of the situation. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about what we can do to help someone, either our kids or our coworkers or ourselves, someone who is going through anxiety. What is the best thing that we can do? Um, that's a, you know, a great question, Bob. Um, I think it's really um, helpful to give some, some useful tips for folks. And I'll start with what you can do to help with a loved one. I think oftentimes it's just more, it's easier for us as sort of social beings to think about how we can contribute or help others. So start there and then move on to talk about how you can help yourself if you're uh, managing or dealing with your own anxiety. With a loved one, I think one of the things, the first things that I often share with folks that I'm working with and even um, with my own loved ones that struggle with anxiety um, is just letting them know that you're there, you want to listen and that you understand if it's not the right time to talk. Um, also, what I find really helpful is asking them uh, for permission to ask. Um, I think, you know, anxiety falls under the umbrella of mental health. There's a lot of stigma that comes around with it. Often, depending on the culture, the gender, folks, you know, there's this sort of this idea that there's something wrong with me um, and uh, that, that I should be able to sort of deal with this on my own. And so as a loved one, a friend, a family member, a parent, um, just asking for permission to ask um, can be really helpful. I have found that the greatest role or thing that I can do is to be there for them, like to be a great listener for my kids, which is very hard for me because I'm a rescue and fix girl. Mm -hmm. And it has taken a lot of practice for me to just listen and just, but really hear them and formulate a plan together and to not be afraid to say, you know what, I don't, know the answer to this, but you know what, together, we're going to find the answer. I can give them a hug, I can listen, I can be there for them, mm -hmm. and I can also say, call your primary care physician if that's, that's a great starting point. Not everyone can just jump into therapy, and you know, there's a process, or reach out to a school counselor, or reach out to someone at your church, or reach out to your wellness you know, people, or you know, HR people at work, like there's so many places to turn, and right. I think we forget, we forget that. Right. And like at uh, HPE, the EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, that uh, has people that are trained to help people who are going through these kind of uh, the, these kind of feelings. So two of the things I sort of offer initially is one, let them know you're there, listening, non-judgmental. Two is let's do something together: watch a movie, have coffee, um, go for you know a walk in the park, ride the bike, or whatever a particular activity, play a, a board game at home. 
and doing things that are fun. Um, you know, doing things that are fun actually really helps us build our resiliency um, and allows folks to be able to respond to difficult situations as they come up. And it's a really simple thing and you're having fun, so who doesn't want to have fun? Um, uh, th those two things can be really helpful initially and can open the door for other conversations um, if you learn that perhaps it, you know, it is sort of worse than we had initially thought, but then you can also offer to um, go with your loved one uh, to a doctor's appointment or to see a therapist to learn more about uh, what options might be available to help them manage. Very helpful. Yeah, then in terms of sort of if the individual is struggling with anxiety, I think some of those things are true um, as well as in terms of talking about what's helpful if you're helping someone else. Uh, one thing that I, I will offer is sort of learning more about anxiety um, if you're the ones that are struggling with it. My guess would be at that point, you're sort of not quite ready to reach out for additional support or help. So learning about more about anxiety um, common sort of symptoms or reactions, uh, what can be helpful, uh, can be really useful. The only sort of caveat I'll add to that is use sort of um, trusted sources, right? So there's so much information out there now um, on the internet. You mm. can Google almost anything right, uh, that right. I do caution that we want to use really trusted sources when you're sort of learning more um, about anxiety. Uh, the other piece, again, is um, talking to others for support. Anxiety, uh, as I mentioned before, the hallmark symptom is avoidance. So the thing we tend to do is actually isolate and withdraw. Um, and so we want to do the opposite of that in order to really counteract um, the, the sort of symptoms um, of anxiety. So we want to reach out to others, ask for support in whatever ways um, that the individual feels comfortable doing that. And sometimes as a precursor to asking for support, it can be helpful to write down your thoughts, your feelings, other physical sensations that you're experiencing as a, uh, as a way to sort of help you gain a different experience um, with your thoughts um, and, and your emotional experiences. And it just gives a different perspective um, and allows perhaps some process of self-regulation to happen all on your own. Another sort of final tip would be to practice sort of relaxation exercises. Um, there's uh, a lot of sort of brain and neuroscience behind using mindfulness and relaxation as a way to, for an individual to get grounded. They can do, whether that's sort of exercising, doing yoga, stretching, or using visualization exercises. Uh, so I live um, in the Bay Area, and as you all know, we're in the midst of the postseason of the NBA um, sort of Western Conference. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Warriors fan. <laughs> and um, some of you may know Clay Thompson. He's one of the guards in the team, and in the, in the last series against the Rockets, which was sort of one, one of the most competitive series, they had asked him, you know, what did you do to prepare for this? And he said, you know, he said, I used visualization. Um, I didn't really sort of think about winning. I sort of talked about visualizing, performing at my optimal, at my best. Um, and that really helped me prepare for all of the different things that might show up in any given game. Uh, and, I, and I think that um, I sort of really appreciated him talking about that. And I think that could be really helpful with anxiety as well. I love that. What are some other practical tips for coping with those symptoms? Um, so maybe I should start with some of the common symptoms of anxiety. Yes, please. And I think what shows up, yeah, for most people are the physiological symptoms, right? Like when you experience your heart racing, um, people often describe having a hard time breathing, um, they start to sweat, 
um, they, you know, sort of blood pressure changes. Um, and so those are some of those physiological reactions, I think, is often what is most scary for people who are experiencing anxiety. So specific techniques that can be used for those symptoms, um, I would say include things like grounding techniques. And what I mean by that is really bringing yourself back to the present moment of what is happening, where you are now in the, um, in the present moment. Um, and things, sort of really specific things we can do could be, you know, sort of like grabbing the armchair of the chair you're sitting on, or if you're standing next to, to someone, just sort of just pat them on the shoulder. But just then sort of shifting your attention from your physiological responses to, to your environment can be quite helpful, and it helps bring you back to sort of where you are. Um, and one of the other strategies that can be quite helpful is using your senses. So I described, you know, touching things, but you can use any of your senses, sight, sound, smell, taste. Uh, so sort of noticing what's the smell around me, um, what, are, what are the things that I'm hearing, um, and again, those sort of bring you back to, to, to where you are and what's happening in the present moment. Um, and then really working on um, deep breathing or, or slowing down your breath and inhaling through your nose, uh, so really, and then um, exhaling through your mouth. Uh, a couple of times, you know, five or uh, to ten times can be really helpful. All of those things, really, the goal is to take your attention and focus away from this, these physiological responses and um, to to some other to another focal point. And that just gives again that space so that you can sort of recognize and and, and assess if this is really a dangerous situation or. Um, or more um, that this is a natural reaction that's happening because you've been triggered by some fear stimulus. Um, another common symptom uh, of anxiety is having a lot of distressing thoughts. We often describe uh, a cascade of negative thoughts that will happen where you might um, have, think, you know, that uh, have one negative thought at least to another one, and it goes down to sort of um, a domino effect pretty quickly. So for distressing, um, distressing thoughts or thinking, um, you can remind yourself, one, that these are just thoughts. They come and go, and thoughts actually can't hurt you. Um, and then actually writing them down or speaking them out loud can be really helpful, again, sort of creating that space. Um, and sometimes having, um, preparing inspirational quotes or song lyrics or listening to relaxing music can also be helpful in managing um, distressing thoughts. Uh, one thing that I've often offered um, to folks that I work with is having pictures or images uh, of people they love or places uh, that they've gone to that help them feel comfortable, relaxed, and, and sort of having really easy access to that. And so now, nowadays, whether it's youth or adults or older adults with cell phones and sort of the wide use of that, that's a really great place to sort of load those on and have them immediately accessible. Um, if you're having another sort of common symptom is problem sleeping, whether that's sort of falling asleep or waking up in the middle of the night. Um, so specifically, if a person is finding that they wake up suddenly and they're noticing those sort of physiological responses, um, is to actually get out of bed um, and to do something different, sort of regroup. And not do anything that's sort of totally activating. Um, often what I'll recommend is, 
read like the back of your laundry detergent box and sort of help shift your attention to something else. Hmm. Um, and then it actually will calm you down, takes you back to sort of your um, equilibrium state, uh, reminds you of where you, you are in the present moment again. So anxiety often, um, I describe anxiety as a disorder of sort of being in the past or being worried about what's going to happen in the future. So often many of the strategies is just sort of reorienting the person back to what's happening in the here and now. Very interesting. Um, another really helpful way to cope is the strategy that I sort of call or we often call opposite action, is to engage in uh, activities that will elicit opposite emotional experiences. Uh, so for fear, the opposite, um, something that we can do to sort of manage, uh, engage in activity that would be the opposite, the, uh, eliciting the opposite emotion of fear. And that can really vary uh, across individuals. Um, so for example, um, you know, when someone uh, is feeling that way, often I'll recommend, could you watch a comedy show or something that will cre create sort of laughter or help you feel a uh, positive mood? You know, for me, something that I do whether, when I'm feeling really distressed um, or just having a hard day is I'm a big Seinfeld fan, so I'll pop in my, you know, sort of latest Seinfeld DVD, um, and, um, and, that's what I'll, and that sort of helps me really experience the, uh, the opposite emotion and can then give me, again, what we talked about before, sort of the space to then manage the situation slightly differently. Sheila, the film talks about some tips and exercises that people can do when they kind of feel a panic attack coming on. Do you remember some of those? Can you talk about some of those? Oh, yeah. I, I actually get to feel like I'm, I, I help people all the time with those <laughs> tools. And honestly, they've worked every single time. Um, and my confidence level is high. I will say it was one of the things I wanted to get out of this film was, you know, when someone's choking, we, we may not be good at it, but we know how to jump in and sort of Heimlich somebody or if they pass out and they're not breathing, we kind of know how to do a little CPR. I was thinking, what do we do when someone's having a panic attack or super high anxiety? How do we help them? And, you know, Dr. Cora Bruner, who's in the film from Seattle Children's Hospital, she'll say things like, well, you can grab ice cubes because when the ice hits the palm of your hand, it sends a message to the brain. And it's like beyond the fact that, oh, my God, these are cold, which helps to distract you, it actually has a different effect on the brain. There, I, I personally snap my fingers, you know, boom, 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 mm -hmm. before I have to do a big presentation in front of, of however many people. I get to the point where I can't even remember my name or the first line or whatever, and so I snap sort of rhythmically, and that helps me calm. They're, you know, talking. So this is what I learned from the experts filming this. Talking is such a powerful way to help bring your biorhythms down. It uses three executive functions of the brain. You have to make a motion, then you're moving your lips. You have to make a sound, and you have to form a sentence. And when you move the energy to the prefrontal cortex, the CEO part of the brain, that's where anxiety can't exist. And so it's a very powerful way to help bring yourself down. Talking to someone else helps. Breathing is really good. Um, listening to a song super helpful, and it doesn't have to be super wooey song. It can be just a song that you love that fills you with joy or brings you calm or just makes you go somewhere else. You know, journaling, also very powerful. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of great tools out there that are free, that are effective, that can work, and um, it's good to sort of learn which tools work best for you. That's really good. I think that's really helpful. Um, Sheila, I know that an even more recent film, you mentioned it, you've produced is 
uh, about the serious effects of social media, a film called Like. What role does social media play in creating this sense of competition that's causing all this anxiety today? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that in, in, we interviewed um, Leah Perlman, who's the co-creator of the Facebook Like button, who's also an artist. Hmm. And she didn't even realize when they were making it that the, the that a number would have such an effect on a person's self-esteem. And that, that people, like, it was lighting up the reward sort of part of the brain uh, when you would see a like or a share or a comment. And so people just started chasing likes. And suddenly we're comparing ourselves, right? And, and these perfect pictures of people that that is not their reality whatsoever. Suddenly all we're revealing to people is these manufactured highlights of our life. We're not even enjoying, you know, like reality. And so, and it's just getting, been getting so bad that we are, we spend most of our life trying to work on that first impression over and over and over. And we become, we're becoming disconnected with ourselves. And when you are not grounded, when you are not connected with yourself, you become this sort of shell of a person, and it's it's an empty feeling, and that just it just gets compounded. So what we talk about in the movie is there's FOMO, which is fear of missing out, which sort of you can can it hits us on many levels, but there's also JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. Mm-hmm. It's the flip side, and you know what? It feels really good when you are not inundated with this steady stream of numbers and tracking and measurement. When you step back, and what's really important is how you feel about yourself and nurturing that, that joy of being present. Well, in, in closing, I want to ask you both this same question. Um, Sheila, I know that as a producer, you, you learn so much. You become an expert as you uh, work on a project like this. What do you want people to know about anxiety? Mm, I love that question. First of all, that anxiety is 100% treatable. It is not 100% curable, but it is 100% treatable. So why would you even want to spend a minute suffering in silence when you can reach out and you can start doing things, in, whether it's ice cubes or therapy, or in some cases, for some people, it's medication with therapy. You know, there are so many great resources and tools out there you can actually like you can turn that into a positive in your life, and it can be one of the great one of your greater assets. That's terrific, Doctor Wynn, Same question. Um, what do you want people to know about anxiety? I would absolutely agree with what's already been shared, which is it's absolutely manageable, um, it's treatable, um, and people have sort of high quality of life, function really well, um, do amazing things with anxiety and are able to um, live with it and and deal with it on a regular basis. So nothing that we can't overcome, that they can't overcome, using some of these tools that we've already talked about that can be really, really helpful and identifying, you know, sort of individualizing those tools for themselves. Great. Thank you both so much for being on our first podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. If you haven't yet seen the movie Angst, I strongly encourage you to check it out. HPE offers a full lineup of support services to help you and your family members manage real-life challenges. If you're located outside the U.S., you can find them on the HPE Global Wellness page by searching Global Wellness on HPE Insider. 
If you're in the U.S., find them at wellness.hpe.com. The film's website, angstmovie.com, includes links to helpful websites, apps, and videos about anxiety, as well as FAQs, tips for managing it, and even tips for talking about it with your kids. That's all for this edition. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to catch upcoming episodes. Let's talk again soon.